0: I always just coach and tell my teams, you need to be the best at whatever you choose to do. So be competent at what you do. It's kind of my five C's. Be confident, trust your instincts. You know, if I could have a conversation with the 21-year-old version of Cheryl, I would kind of say, trust your instincts. Your gut was right then, just like your gut's right now. I didn't have enough experience to trust it and have enough confidence, but be confident, be authentic, and be you. Be competitive, play to win. Nobody's gonna settle for second or mediocre. You've got to be collaborative. That's internal and external. Nobody has a corner on all this. You've got to really collaborate to achieve the best outcome. And then I have just a huge sense of community. You've got to give back.
1: Welcome to season two of the Tech Sales Insights Podcast. I'm David Noor, your co-host. Let me ask you, what lessons have you learned from the global pandemic? How is the nature of technology sales evolving in your organization? And what new skills and traits will enable you, your team, and your organization to remain relevant? These are just some of the conversations the sales community founder, Randy Seidel, and I have each week with fabulous guests this coming year. This podcast and the sales community is all about your transformation to a more data-savvy selling pro, Given the expedited trends of working from anywhere, more sophisticated remote selling, and increased reliance by the entire sales organization on digital ecosystems. Join us each week as we explore digital skills, a relationship first focus, and a personal brand committed to exceptional experiences. Randy and I will interview sales professionals, managers, and leaders on how they're thinking and leading differently in the tech sales evolution. So let's get started. Hey, Randy, our guest on this episode of Tech Cells Insight is Cheryl Cook. What can you tell us about Cheryl?
0: Yeah, Cheryl's great. I first had the pleasure of uh, meeting her when I was working for her at Sun Microsystems after Sun acquired Storage Tech, I think it was back at the time. Uh, She's a great executive. She's a fantastic mentor for women leaders. And uh, it's been great to see her have such a great run at uh, Dell. And uh, she's also which a little bit of a negative, but, you know, a University of Florida Gator fan. But uh, I think she's got more (laughs) bragging rights than I do these days. Look forward to Cheryl's insights. Absolutely.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Community's Tech Sales Insight Podcast. I'm elated to be joined by Cheryl Cook. Uh, Cheryl, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. It is great to have you. Uh, you've got a fabulous background. Would you kindly, for those that may have not known as much about you, could you kindly start with your background as well as tell us a little about your current role?
0: Uh sure, no, I'm happy to. Well, you know, I'd say I'm probably a veteran. I've been in kind of the IT technology space for a long time. I kind of round up and just say 25 plus years. That's good enough. Um, but you know, I started in a technical capacity, so have a computer science background, started in engineering, always customer-facing, whether that's in a pre-sales technical role or sales and Increasing sales, direct and channel responsibilities, as well as marketing at various companies, Silicon Valley companies, um, Midwest, and now Dell. And I'm currently leading Dell's global partner marketing right now.
1: Tell me what the global partner marketing is about. What do you focus on?
0: Yeah, sure. Well, you might be familiar with you know companies and integrators and global alliance partners that would resell. Dell technology and the breadth of our portfolios. So it's kind of the indirect side of Dell's business. So whether that's our alliance partners, traditional distributors and solution providers, OEM partners and that business, and it's about half of Dell's revenue right now. So I lead all of our marketing strategy, branding, partner program support, kind of our MDF and BDF resources. So kind of helping support all the indirect side of our business.
1: What a fabulous opportunity to create enormous impact. So let's talk about the key trends you believe, uh, you know, from this pandemic in the last year, certainly in the post-pandemic era, that, that Cheryl, you believe will bolster Dell's growth and success. And then you know where I'm going to go with this. I'm going to ask you to flip the coin. What do you believe is going to threaten it?
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's just a really fantastic time in the IT industry. And I think it's why I enjoy it so much. But if you look back on this last year, I mean, I think all of us have grown in so many different ways and kind of rising to unanticipated, unplanned challenges. And really, as a company, Dell has the industry's broadest portfolio from clearly PCs, as you would know us. And certainly when the world had to pivot to enable people to work from anywhere, learn from anywhere, teach from anywhere, that's been an incredible bolst to our business, obviously. But, you know, we're also very successful in the data center and infrastructure business, have a very tight relationship with VMware cloud and multi cloud hybrid cloud. So I think, frankly, the world will always need more technology, not less. And the company's incredibly well positioned with the breadth of our portfolio. And I think what we've all experienced through this last year is an acceleration of digital transformation. It's like we all watched you know, three years of digital transformation happen in three months. So I think there's still a whole lot of the IT world to modernize, to be able to support what we now see will be forever changed. We're going to live in a hybrid world. We're not going to go back to the way it was. So I think a lot of that is huge opportunity for the company to really kind of help customers navigate these challenges.
1: So flip the coin for me. What could threaten it? Very few people thought a uh, shipping container blocking the Suez Canal would, would bring the global supply chain to a halt. What what could threaten you know Dell's enormous success?
0: Yeah, what what a great metaphor actually or example. And I think honestly, the company's always evolving, and we're fortunate to be led by a founder CEO, Michael Dell, and he's got the entrepreneurial spirit that even with the size and scale of the company now, like you know, who would have thunk it that Dell would be the largest IT infrastructure company in the industry right now, larger than IBM, larger than HP. And I think he's done an amazing job of anticipating and being visionary and evolving and adapting the company to these new trends, these new changes. Like right now, we have 5G, AI, machine learning, hybrid multi-cloud, and Dell is actively engaged in innovating and a lot of R&D and a lot of partnerships to kind of bring new modern technologies to market. And I think the threat would be if we didn't evolve, if we just stood still, if we rested on our laurels. And that's not at all what the company does. You know, Michael likes to say it's evolve or die. And really, really thought, I think, forward thinking about kind of just adapting the company to be well positioned for the opportunity at hand.
1: I actually met him a couple of years ago at FRS and Dell World and and you're right it is it is quite amazing for Dell's uh, global stature for the the founder to still be involved and lead it in a visionary way that he is L- let's talk about sales reps and a lot of the sales community members are in the spring of their sales careers there's a number of managers and of course great number of leaders but Cheryl you've you've hired great sales reps you've seen them I'm always curious about top attributes what are some you believe are predictors of the future success of that great sales rep what do you look for early on that says he or she is gonna just rock it in this role
0: well I think candidly you know you need resourcefulness and you need innovative creative, thinking. And you know, done well, a really effective sales rep is a problem solver, right? They're trying to help customers meet their needs. They're trying to do it as efficient and as effective as possible. There's clearly quotas and goals and expectations to be met and achieved from the business. But I think really creative sales reps that listen to their customer are willing to be resourceful, whether that through partnerships and alliances and most certainly, you know, just other functions of the business that can help the overall success of the sales pursuits are the ones that kind of rise to the top, you know, kind of in an effortless way, they get a lot of synergy and resource working on their behalf and candidly working on their customers' behalf. So I think if they stay, Customer-focused, they're willing to be creative and innovative and resourceful. Those are the ones that really have a way of kind of, you know, achieving a lot of success and helping their customers along the way. Can you see that in the interview process
1: early on as you're as you're either pursuing them or courting them or, or asking them to join your, your organization?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, curious people. So in the interviewing process, you know, just probing and asking folks a little bit about examples on... You know, where you didn't have a play out of a playbook and you had to create the solution, right? What was an obstacle that you had to innovate your way around? How curious and resourceful were you to try and pull upon areas of the company or the business that could help you achieve that? And I think, you know, when you talk through a conversation with people where they can exhibit examples as opposed to, Somebody who plays it safe all the time and just swims in the shallow end of the pool and doesn't really make a few waves, you know, you're going to maybe get to the other end, but you're not going to be a pace setter. You're not going to be one that breaks records. You know what I mean? So I, I think you can kind of tease that out a little bit in the discussion. How would your response change
1: if I asked you about sales managers or leaders?
0: Well, I think a leader's role, one, you want to be intuitive and people centric to be able to attract talent, hire the kind of skills and characteristics I kind of just said, but you've got to really be able to influence through others. You've got to find a way to empower and enable and motivate others. So it's less about micromanagement and your personal athleticism to go do it for them. You need to be able to elevate and function and operate through them. So I think good leaders find a way to be really articulate at the vision or the goal or the strategy. They are very articulate around success metrics. What do we measure to ensure we're on track and on progress? And then what do they do to empower and enable the environment for the individual to be able to step up? rather than just keeping it so confined that you don't allow any kind of creativity, innovation. And so I think leaders need to be able to influence and motivate and empower through others.
1: Uh, we've been talking about talent, and, and I believe in the post-pandemic world, uh, good enough or, or mediocre talent uh, is actually going to be a, a competitive uh, detriment So do you believe attracting, developing, retaining this great talent has become more difficult through this pandemic or less because companies are no longer bound by geographic boundaries?
0: I can kind of see two sides to the coin. I'm an optimist by nature. So I actually think in so many ways, it's going to help us increase the candidate pool with which to draw upon. And I happen to be a big advocate for underrepresented, you know, communities and classes and women and gender diversities. Like how do we just get more inclusiveness in our workforce and in our teams? And I think in this new reality, you can now really cast your net a lot wider and we're less limited by geographic, you know, constraints on how we can increase our candidate pool. So to the positive, I actually think we're going to be able to reach and attract and identify a much more diverse, both geographically as well as everything else I said, candidate pool to pull upon. So I think that's going to be a positive. I think we're all learning to be more agile in this work from anywhere, work remote environment. And in so many ways, while we've been apart, we've actually never been more connected. So I think that's going to help to the candidate's benefit. I think they are going to be quite selective. And I think because there are going to be more options and more areas, the competitive nature for the top talent, for the most desirable people, is actually going to put it a little in the hands of the candidate for them to be able to be rather selective, which is why I think, you know, making sure that we demonstrate not just us as leaders, but what's the company culture? What's the team culture? What are the values that the company stands for? What are the values with which we lead with? And I actually think getting that right harmony and that blend of not just the role, not just the pay, not just the function within the company, but frankly, those other cultural value things can reveal themselves are going to become increasingly more of a competitive differentiator for attracting the right talent.
1: You brought up uh, diversity, uh, equity, Mm -hmm. and inclusion. I couldn't agree more with you. My question Mm -hmm. of you is, and I'm saying this candidly and respectfully, a lot of diversity and equity inclusion that you and I may hear, Cheryl, sounds like lip service, right? Mm -hmm. People talk about it. They put it up in their company values. And I'm actually after practical, pragmatic things we could do to change the landscape. And I'm glad you brought it up because uh, technology sales seems to be a lot of white male right? as one of those. You just got, there's a lot of, you know, and by the way, we're also sure. becoming male, pale and stale, but that's another story. <laughs> so, so how can I have a daughter There's a lot of very capable, you know, young women and you're right, less represented, you know, communities. Can you share two or three practical things that if I'm a sales manager, I can do to really raise the awareness raise the you know the diversity in our team
0: well thanks for the question because i think we all play a part and it's a shared responsibility you know it's not just women advocating for women right i mean it needs to be all of us committed to making our teams look more like our customers you know and at the highest level if you step back you know we talk about the consumerization of IT and we talk about everything being enabled by technology now, well, you know, our customers, they look more like the demographics of the human population, not the demographics of IT right now, right, where we have 25% white, stale male. So I think practical advice is we can begin setting goals and objectives for ourselves on not settling on a candidate slate for open roles and recs that we have until we get more diverse candidates in the lineup. And I will say, I'm very proud of the work Dell has done. You know, very, very strong advocacy in the company to make these things real. We actually have a policy in place now, actually, for any open recs when we open a role and we're going to look to hire either internal or external, we have to at least have one diversity candidate in the. Uh, interviewing process or we can't fill the role. Ideally that'll move to two rather than just one, but at least it's a start. So that's a demonstrable declarative objective that every hiring manager in the company can execute to. you know at a higher level, you know we've set and established some targets and goals for ourselves. you know in the company, we call these our moonshot 2030 goals in particular around diversity and inclusion, we have declared that by the year 2030, we want half of our workforce to be women. And by 2030, we want a fourth of our leadership, people managers, leaders to be women. Now we have a long way to go as a company. We look a lot like the industry right now, but at least, you know, in Dell, you know, what we measure happens. So we're setting a goal, we're measuring it, we're holding ourselves accountable to try and just make progress to those objectives. And hopefully by doing that, we can lead by example with our partner community. Like I work with a lot of external companies that work with Dell, you know, sharing best practices with them, sharing initiatives and efforts that we have underway in a company that they might be able to repurpose or leverage. You know, we do some internal unconscious bias training that we call MARC, many advocating for real change. We've taken that training externally and shared it with our partners. So it takes all of us. It takes a community. It's not just Dell. It's not just us. So I think just really in practical measures, as you asked, it's, it's doing a few of those things, but holding ourselves accountable to kind of lead by example.
1: Love the uh, Moonshot 2030 idea. Can you share one or two of the others?
0: Yeah, so that was a little bit about diversity and inclusion. We have initiatives around sustainability, obviously, and what we want to do to help the planet and how much of our you know, packaging will be recyclable, how much we're actually making. We just launched one of our newest laptops that we brought to market that was built completely out of, you know, tree recyclable products and plastics. So really just trying to ensure that whether it's impacting lives, whether that's through helping close the digital divide around education or bringing capabilities around healthcare and medicine to underserved parts of the world, sustainability, diversity and inclusion. It's really, you know, a company of our size has an obligation And a responsibility to do so. So we're actively engaged through our supply chain, through the, as I said, the building of our products, to the packaging of our products, to the way we ship materials, to smart and clean batteries and power supplies on just playing our role and doing our part.
1: What a fabulous rallying cry to get behind, right? So I think it just gets everybody on the same page of we have to evolve to remain relevant. Talking about evolution, I'm going to date myself. Cheryl, RevOps was not a thing when I was selling, right? It was like, (laughs) here's a sheet with a whole bunch of names. Good luck. So what's your perspective on RevOps and its impact on really profitable, you know, go-to-market and revenue growth?
0: Well, I think it's... In in some ways, it's just a natural evolution of our business processes and our functional roles needing to come closer together and collaborate more for the ultimate customer experience. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, our customers and prospects' buyer journey has materially changed. And when you look at that buyer journey and you look at you know, we're in the business of kind of advocating and selling digital transformation. I think this is an example where the business is having to align and drink a little of our own champagne on how to be data and insights driven. How can I collapse some of the traditional silos in the business to get faster, more responsive, more relevant insights and information across sales, marketing, operations, even product management and pricing so that we can ultimately meet and exceed the customer's expectations. And if you look at any of the data and the statistics now, all of us, because of this consumerization of IT, we all come home and we shop on Amazon, And we have an Amazon-like experience that, candidly, we want even in our B2B lives. So I think this notion of RevOps is really more in response to that and a reflection of how do we get more responsive in the business? How do I break down some traditional silos between functions in the company? How do I integrate more horizontally with an outside-in perspective that can be data-driven, insights-informed, automated where possible, so that the overall response and experience our customer has is highly relevant and personalized to our customer. Every customer wants to feel like, wow, they get me. They get it. They know what I need. They've anticipated. They're actually making recommendations to me that are highly relevant to what my problems are. So I think it's another acronym. We're in an industry that loves new terms. But I think it's more a reflection a bit of why it's there and how it's come to pass.
1: Uh, I think you're way more seasoned than the comment I'm about to make. But Cheryl, if you're into mic drops, you should do one right now because that has to be definitively one of the best descriptions of RevOps I've ever. I'm going to actually go back and listen to it again because it was brilliant. Just, just ridiculously like well packaged, nicely done. <laughs> Obviously, I know it's a topic that's, that's near and dear to your heart, but this idea of marketing and channels as really a successful go to market strategy. I- I'm not convinced a whole lot of organizations get channels right or do channel relationships <laughs> right. Talk about the role that marketing and channels should play in a really successful go to market strategy.
0: Well, I think it depends on the company, obviously, and their vision. But, you know, I can say, at least in my experience, particularly being in the technology sector, you know, the industry itself and therefore the partner ecosystem and community that really serves this industry has really evolved. So if we talk about just you know, what's happened in the IT business. And by definition, this is an incredibly dynamic industry. By definition, we're innovating and creating new technologies and new capabilities to either simplify or solve problems that couldn't have been solved before. And I think the channels, even traditionally, are also evolving. But I think as importantly, particularly after this past year, you know, it's been Arguably, one of the more reflective years, <laughs> at least for me and any of us, have had having to navigate what completely would have been unforeseen, unanticipated, more challenges than ever. But what it's revealing is we have to meet our customers and our partners kind of where they are. And marketing, in my opinion, is actually going to increasingly play a stronger role in not just understanding who the customers and partners are, but what is their persona? What is their preference? What am I learning from their online digital body language and footprints? And all of us are researching and doing our own homework online. We're Googling and we're on Amazon. I mean, we're searching before we ever talk to a sales rep, before I go to... Anybody's website. So I actually think if you, again, I always start from the outside in, the customer experience and trying to attract and reach more customers, marketing and channels are going to be very integrated and play a very critical role in helping deliver that experience to customers, either through awareness and education, ultimately delivering the solution itself, Complementing and augmenting and making an overall, like in our case, infrastructure solution much more relevant to them. Then, if you fast forward and you look at some of these trends that are literally just around the horizon, you know, 5G, this push to the edge, this idea that, you know, sensors and automation and compute capability literally can live on everything. It's, it's kind of moving to a more distributed world, right? Many people believe that, you know, this idea of what edge solutions and edge computing is, is going to be bigger than cloud. And in order to do that, you need the resources of robust and capable channel partners and companies that can bring those unique, relevant, and industry vertical, you know, solutions to market And then I think on the marketing side, it's increasingly digital. It's how do I just drive that overall awareness and be just more in tune to the preferences that my customers are looking for so that we can give them the experience they want. So I think more strategic than ever and done well, even with some of the digital marketing and automation capabilities we have today. And I've got a strong sales background and just been doing marketing here for the last three or four years. I'm having a ball because it's at such an early stage of marketing automation and the handshake between sales and marketing has never been tighter. And I just think digital marketing done well makes a much more productive sales force. Your sellers are more productive, they're engaging with their customers around the right topics at the right time where they are.
1: To build on that, do you believe you're a more competent, capable CRO if you've spent some time with marketing or you have a a, a tight relationship with marketing, understand their challenges and, and opportunities?
0: I absolutely do. And I think looking forward with the increased digital and automation capabilities in marketing, and again... It needs to be data driven and insights oriented. It's not just, you know, customer segmentation and looking at marketing segments by big groups. It's highly personalized now. And your customers are going to tell you, they're happy to share with you kind of what their preferences are. And so I think a chief revenue officer understanding how to synchronize those dials and understanding how to ensure that you've got. The appropriate kind of digital marketing strategy actually can not just drive improved revenue performance, but I think a much more productive sales organization. As
1: you mentioned, I think you got into technology sales when you were a teenager, so you, <laughs> you know you've been at this for a while. How, how yeah. do you continue to learn and grow as a leader?
0: I think I'm just curious by nature, and you know I'm competitive, so I like winning, right? And I just think as new. Capabilities and this is an industry that's pretty dynamic and always changing. So, I am pretty curious. I do have a little bit of a technical bent. I started in engineering, so I kind of like the stuff. So, I get a little geeked out sometimes on what the capabilities can bring. But then, in the end, I'm kind of a people person. That's why sales really resonates with me and marketing resonates with me on what's possible, right? How do we bring the art of the possible? to our team and ultimately to our customers. So I think it's just, you got to ask questions. You got to raise your head up. You got to want to be curious about learning some of these new things, not be intimidated by them. And I think if there's really one of the biggest challenges we all have, as do I, is just the pace with which all of this is happening for all of us. It's just how do you stay thoughtful? How do you ensure that you're making the right kind of progress at the appropriate pace that you don't get left behind?
1: (laughs) Thinking about your own journey, uh, are there some coaching or advice, Cheryl, maybe you received, which beyond your performance execution or results, really had a profound impact on the leader that you've become?
0: would say, well, I was highly influenced by my dad. So I'm the oldest of three daughters and my dad worked on the Apollo missions. So he was a space guy and a engineer. So he just always told me I could do anything I wanted. You can be anything you want to be. So I think I had that empowerment at home, which I think is important. And I think I am competitive. So I always just kind of coach and tell my teams, you need to be the best at whatever you choose to do. So be competent at what you do. It's kind of my five C's, right? Be confident, trust your instincts. You know, if I could have a conversation with the 21-year-old version of Cheryl, I would kind of say, trust your instincts. Your gut was right then, just like your gut's right now. I didn't have enough experience to trust it and have enough confidence, but be confident, be authentic, and be you, be competitive, play to win. Nobody's going to settle for second or mediocrity. You've got to be collaborative. That's internal and external. Nobody has a corner on all this. You've got to really collaborate to achieve the best outcome. And then I have just a huge sense of community. You got to give back. You got to help whether it's in your community or advocating for women or working on whatever. So those are kind of my five C's a little bit from growing in the business and a little bit from dad at home, but that's kind of what I would say.
1: I love it. That's gotta be one of those that I'm going to frame and put in front of me. <laughs> I said, I've got a 19 year old daughter and what a, what a fabulous mantra to you know remind her that a lot more she's capable of. All right. So this is the best part of the podcast so far, right? So mm-hmm. a fun story as a bonus Fun story about Randy Seidel. Just keep in mind, it's a PG sh- you know, show. So you're welcome to, right? Or what have you done for fun? We've all been cooped up during this pandemic. What have you done for fun? What are you looking forward to most on the other side? Your choice.
0: Ah, oh, great. Well, I won't embarrass Randy. <laughs> oh, come on. It'll be fun. I know, exactly. Well, I'll keep it PG. I will share a story. I don't know that it makes fun of him, but it is a fun story that Randy and I once worked together. We spent some time together at Sun Microsystems, which was a great company and a great run. I am a huge college football fan, and I'm even a stronger Florida Gator fan because that's my alma mater. So I'm a proud Florida Gator fan, not a passive fan. And Florida made it to the NCAA National Championship football game And with our partners at the time, Randy and a couple other of our colleagues and a couple of our partners, we all went to Glendale, Arizona and watched the Gators beat Ohio State. So we had a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun cheering for the Gators. I had a lot of honorary Gators with me at that time. They all put on their orange and blue. And that's a fun Randy story. And we won. Florida won.
1: You, you'd be delighted to hear that Randy just happened to bring up you're a Florida Gator fan. You're just gonna have to oh. listen to it to see how the sentiment in which he shared that information. But oh. uh, uh Cheryl, you've been you've been delightful. So for our audience, uh, you've been listening to Cheryl Cook, arguably one of the, the most seasoned executives we've had on the tech sales insights, great background leading the global partner marketing at Delft. Uh, Cheryl, what's the best way for our audience to learn more about your team
0: and your work? Great. Well, go to our website. We've also got you know a women's partner network on our LinkedIn page. You can go to thedell.com Dell.com and just reach out via email if need be, but happy to have spent some time with you. Thanks so much.
1: Perfect. Thank you again for being our guest. If you've listened to the Tech Sales Insights recently, you've heard that we're adding a ton of content, best practices, and are scheduling regular virtual sessions, such as Tuesdays with Tony and your 10x Interactive Online Roundtables. I'll lead each month. Randy and the Sales Community team have done a fabulous job attracting over 200 CROs, VPs of Sales, and thousands of sales professionals, managers from global tech companies. So we invite you to jump in, ask questions, start conversations, make sure you attend some of these events to elevate your thinking, expand your perspective, and extend your network with other tech sales professionals. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Cheryl Cook of Dell. Uh, really intrigued by, and I was impressed by just the breadth and depth of the experiences she brings now to the global partner marketing role. So, this is the Noor summary notes. Hopefully, in three minutes or less, I can summarize some key ideas in this podcast episode for you. Number one, uh, really appreciated her comments around predictors of great sales reps, right? Resourceful creative thinking, problem solvers, efficient and effective, right? Curious, customer centric. If you're not making time for reflection on your own skills, on your own knowledge, on your own capabilities, is a missed opportunity. I still meet senior executives who don't make time to think about, at their level, their brand. And I think that idea is just as relevant to frontline sales reps as it is to channel reps as it is to managers and leaders, right? And senior executives, right? So what are you doing to really think about? And if you don't have some of those, if you become the CEO of your own learning and growth. And sales community is perfect for that. It's all about learning. It's all about growing. None of us have enough runway to make all these mistakes ourselves. So learning and growing through others goes a long way. Um, I'm really curious about their Moonshot 2030 set of goals, right? So uh, Cheryl talked about their diversity and inclusion. She talked a lot about, you know, sustainability. Um, It is great to have a rallying cry as an organization. I know for a fact that Michael Dell is really passionate about leadership and growing the talent in the organization. Uh, so, uh, again, it's great to have those. Do you have those as team as an organization? Uh, I captured many advocating real change. Mark, I think that's very clever and really thinking through those. Uh, RevOps, uh, what a great, great description of RevOps, right? The business process and the functional roles, how to collaborate, how to really create an exceptional customer experience. Go back and listen to our comments about the buyer journey and meticulously understanding it and really understanding how it's changing how it's evolving obviously the title of this session coaching the five c's right uh she's coaching uh, others uh to be competent to be confident to be competitive to be collaborative to build a community those are all fabulous fabulous advice to learn from really internalize synthesize and figure out how to apply in your world. Uh, So just a couple quick summary notes for you. Number one, Cheryl's going to actually be our guest today on the Sales Community um, LinkedIn Live. We'll also broadcast that on Facebook and YouTube. So I hope you'll jump join us and jump in with your questions. Number two, we turn the show notes from these uh, podcast interviews into more in-depth articles and post them on Sales Community. So hope you'll check those out. Number three, we have some incredible guests Continue to join us. So, hope you'll subscribe to the sales community's tech sales insights wherever you consume podcasts. Randy Seidel and I had so much fun that we're back for Season 2. We're so thankful for our listeners on the Tech Sales Insights Podcast. and want to keep producing great content you want to hear. So we'd love to hear your feedback in the Sales Community Podcast thread or simply email podcast at salescommunity.com. Topics, guests, or other issues you'd like us to tackle in the evolution of technology sales. We try to create follow-up opportunities to engage each weekly guest with an Ask Me Anything AMA live stream interview, links to articles featuring our guests, and other resources we think you can learn from and grow through. So don't forget to follow the sales community on various social media channels for our latest updates using the hashtag TechSalesInsights.